0: Creative Control with
1: Dishcom. I would like to announce that the website seems to have fixed itself, and you can now download the podcast again. If you weren't subscribed to iTunes or streaming it, you can actually download the MP3s, and I hope that that helps you. I don't know why. I, I did some tinkering. I don't know if I fixed it. I think it fixed itself. I did some stuff. It changed the look of it. I think it was the player. I don't know. It works. Sorry for the delay in fixing this, but it seems to work. You can download the show. Speaking of downloading the show, you should download this episode if you're not, if you haven't already. It's it's a good one. Joel R.L. Phelps is my guest, and I'll be honest, I didn't know as much about Joel R.L. Phelps as I probably should have, other than the fact that I knew he was in Silkworm for a brief period, and then he wasn't. And, and I, he put out this new record with his band uh, called The Downer Trio. It's called Gala, and I was really struck by it. And so I wanted to talk to him, and it's a incredibly poignant and insightful conversation. I hope you enjoy it. You'll hear a new song by Joel and his band uh, before the end of the episode. And also, I should say that uh, I recorded this uh, in the year 2013, and I just haven't had a chance to post it yet. So here, this is, there's no dated references or anything as far as I know. Oh, we did predict that the Denver Broncos would win the Super Bowl at one point. That obviously didn't pan out. Other than that, it's fine. So here, enjoy the show. I, it's a really compelling one. I hope, I hope, even if you don't know who Joel R. L. Phelps is, it's really fascinating. I hope you enjoy it. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom, Gravity, Broken Circle Breakdown, Cinema Paradiso, Her, and more. On February 13th, the Balconies and Say Yes play an all-ages show at the E-Bar. And on February 14th from 5 to 7 p.m., there's a launch party for YouAreLoved.ca happening ahead of an evening E-Bar show featuring the Medicine Hat, the Treble, And Jamie Gia The Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub Located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph Visit bookshelf.ca for more information Phelps is an American musician and songwriter who once played in the now-defunct band Silkworm. Upon leaving Silkworm, Phelps began collaborating with new musicians, most notably William Herzog and Robert Mercer, uh, who together formed a unique rock group called Joel R.L. Phelps and the Downer Trio. The band's new album came out October 8th via Triple Crown Audio Recordings here in Canada. Uh, The record is called Gala, and it marks their first release together in nine years. I'm Here now to discuss this further... Is Joel RL Phelps. Uh, hey Joel, how you doing?
2: I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for asking.
1: Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> That's what we do here. Now, I I realize now that I'm I'm calling you at a Vancouver number. Are you actually in Canada?
2: Yeah, I've uh been a resident of Vancouver for a little over 11 years.
1: Oh, I did not know that. Wow, 11 years. That's a uh, You're from uh where are you from? You're from Montana or something like that?
2: Originally from Montana. Yeah, I was born in Billings, uh and uh uh, adopted quite early, uh, at about three months, and um, because uh, my father is a United Methodist minister, um, and because the nature of that work um, takes him to different um, parish assignments every few years, we ended up living in uh, several cities in, in Montana, oh, Okay. Building, uh, Bozeman, Great Falls, uh, Missoula, um, and uh, they'd lived in a couple a couple of others uh, before I was born uh, as well. Okay. But I spent uh, many years living in uh, Seattle, of course, as you mentioned, when I uh, when I had moved out to play in that band, Silk Room. Um, and, uh, but when I was uh, married in 2002, um, I moved up here uh, to Vancouver and have lived here ever since then.
1: Okay. All right. And you mentioned Missoula, Montana, which uh, to me... Uh, because I just read an article about him. That's where I, that's where I believe Steve Albini is from, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And did you know him then? No, we met. Uh, we met after he'd already left. Um, I probably uh, just, I probably just missed him. Um, let's see. He would be what at least a couple years older than uh me and uh i if i remember right uh, and i'm telling his story uh, <laughs> properly uh he took off to uh attend northwestern uh after he graduated from high school um and uh so he would have been he probably would have left around the same time that i arrived in missoula okay so i wouldn't meet him i'd become aware of the music course um Long before I met him, but we wouldn't meet uh, until uh, Silkworm first recorded out there,
1: right? uh,
0: At House.
1: Okay. So, and is there? This is going to be completely out of left field. Is there any possibility that you yourself were at a Silkworm show uh, when that band was opening up for Shellac in Vancouver at the Starfish Room in 1999?
2: Yes, I was.
1: And and did you? I was there too. That's the, the, I, Oh, you were? I, oh, okay. yeah I was at that show, and I remember uh, this I, I'd seen Shellac a few times at this point. Sorry, I don't want to make this all about Shellac, but it's kind of funny.
2: Oh, no, it's fine. I, <laughs> I like talking about them. I like them a bunch.
1: <laughs> that, that's fine, but I distinctly remember, uh, uh, basically, I was a big fan of Shellac, and I uh, found out they were playing in Vancouver and Victoria, and a friend of mine happened to be, you know, which is a far distance from where I'm from, uh, but yeah. it, I'd, I'd heard that they were playing there and my friend was like, I'm going out there. Why don't we just go and see them? So we went and it ended up being their first ever, uh, Canadian show. And at the end of the night, I remember Steve being very excited to greet someone and I got caught wind that it was a former member of Silkworm and I think it was you.
2: <laughs> well, it could have been a different one. I don't know, but
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I'm processing all this, but I just remember him being very excited to see you. Is that possible?
2: Uh I I I don't know.
1: <laughs> now why would you know that? I don't know how I don't know if you remember much about I'm sure that. I
2: was excited to see him. I guess I can I can speak to that uh uh knowing that yeah, I was super uh excited to uh, to see him and the rest of the band. If I if I remember that right and uh I'm not known for remembering things properly um but if I remember right, I think I had seen them just the night before, if it's the same series of shows that, that I have in mind, um, I had seen them just the night before in Seattle, and uh, and th- their music is really... Like, I really get bent out of shape about it. <laughs> like, I get really excited about it, so I was really excited to see them okay. next in Vancouver. So I had driven up to... Uh, with a pal of mine uh who was um well my pal Terry uh who used to run Pacifico Records uh, we came up to see them again okay and uh, yeah and it was super fun
1: i just remember noticing that he seemed like he you know he's not uh, he wasn't at that point when i i didn't know very much about him i think i'd met him a couple times by that point but he didn't seem like a particularly demonstrative person uh in terms of of, of you know that kind of thing but you, you i just remember him seeming quite excited to see someone and I, no. and in retrospect, when I was kind of contemplating our talk today, I was like, maybe it was, maybe it was Joel. Cause you know, he was also, you know, a big fan of Silkworm. Silkworm were there, you know, and I, I don't yeah. know. I actually don't know. And we'll get into this maybe at some point. I actually don't know your entire Silkworm history. I know you were there towards the beginning of the band and then you left, but uh, maybe we can talk about that later. But I do think sure. that did, all of this strikes me and I, I appreciate you fielding these questions because they're kind of ridiculous, really. When when you think about it, me asking you, oh. if, me asking you if if you or someone else were excited, you know, uh, 14 years ago, that doesn't make any sense.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> no, it's perfectly fine. I'm I just I I don't know that I'm very good at uh, uh, answering it uh, in a satisfying way, but uh, yeah, I I don't mind one little tiny bit. It sounds so like you. At it.
1: it sounds like you were excited to see Shellac. At, at any oh, record.
2: absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and Silkworm, too because I was you know i mean i i i'm a huge like I'm a huge silkworm fan right, and I was then too, and i was i mean I always was so um so yeah that was a big that was a big deal for me to uh to go up there and see that show it was really uh, exciting and it's still I mean, yeah.
1: that that uh, having seen Shellac many many times now that to me still stands as one of my favorite times seeing them that seemed like a really great yeah. show,
2: yeah 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 it was very very
1: good. All right, let's talk about you. I feel like we've talked enough about my uh, an apparition version of you that ha- may exist, <laughs> may or not be real. It exists somewhere in my mind. But I want to ask you about your record, uh, this new one, uh, Gala. It's a dynamic record, and um, it's a very impassioned record in terms of its vocals, its imagery, the arrangements. And I- I'm curious if you can discuss it a little bit. Is there any particular thing that you would suggest uh, inspired this batch of songs?
2: Hmm. That's yeah. That's a good question. I um. It's it's hard for me to it's it's hard for me to say exactly uh, um what the deal with it is. Um, it was it was a record that was made um, largely based on I don't want to say largely based on experiences, but just stuff that um, went through my mind at a time that I was very heavily. Um, in active addiction uh, to alcohol.
1: Oh, I see. Um,
2: so a lot of the, um, uh, so that experience um, and the uh, and this the the power of that experience, especially as it as it approached uh, its what for me turned out to be its end stages, um, and my entrance into recovery from my uh, addiction to alcohol, um, is aware a lot of the uh, a lot of the record. Comes from, um, and I guess I would say that a lot of my own feeling of its power, at least as as I felt it in the making of it, uh, came from my experience of early recovery uh, from alcoholism. Uh, that isn't really to say that this record is about what it's like to be an alcoholic, or what happened to me as an alcoholic exactly. Like it isn't a it isn't a record that's based on my war stories of. Being an alcoholic, mm-hmm. um, but but since I was one <laughs> or am one, uh, and uh, and since I am in recovery, of course I can't. Uh, the The record couldn't help but be a product, both a product and an expression of that, uh, of that process, of both those processes.
1: When do you? Uh, when would you? When would you determine that you? Uh, were a full-fledged uh, alcoholic. When did it move from drinking, uh, I presume, socially, casually, these sorts of things, to uh, your loss of control?
2: Um. Well, it was several years ago. Um, it was a, it was a really, um, it, it's really stunning as I look back on it how long I stayed in a state of uh, almost total uh, inoperability, like I, I, like I was. I was significantly, um, both psychologically and physically disabled for some time. Um, and, uh, I, you know, it's hard for me to say whether or not, I think that's a pretty common experience, but it even, but when I think about my own experience, I still find it surprising. So it was many, many years ago, Hmm. uh, that I realized that this was, uh, that this was going to be something that, um, you know, that I was, that I was going to be dealing with, um. You know because it plugs uh, pretty seamlessly into also my experience of things like uh, clinical depression, uh, some experience with um, some other mental health issues, uh, things like panic disorder or bipolar, um, I guess I would say that i you know I experienced that I remember it as being part of a larger experience that I would describe as lifelong
0: okay.
2: but the actual um, but the actual uh, uh, focus on the chemical dependency uh probably first really dawned on me in the last um, probably actually shortly before I moved to Vancouver so it's been many years okay that I that I've been aware um, it but it was just in the last but I guess maybe to answer uh, your your question a little more <laughs> well it's too late for it to be brief um but the uh, uh but to maybe answer the uh, the question more specifically it was really in the last Uh, a few years where I I came to be in in a crisis mode, where I became to be incapacitated to the degree that there needed to be some very specific uh, steps taken to uh, avoid um, further disaster, Hmm. including uh, possibly my imminent uh, demise.
0: (laughs)
1: Right. All right. Well, and so you've been in recovery for... Uh, by your telling, about two or three years, roughly? Uh, not
2: quite that much. Yeah, it, it's not quite two years. It's about a year and a half now.
1: And what's so that? Early, what's early the, days. Early days still. What What is that process like for you? I've, I'm not really, uh, you know, I only know of these kinds of things from depictions of it. Uh, can you maybe articulate what, uh, what it's been like for you? And then maybe further to that, how you feel like these experiences, both the recovery and the uh, you know actually enduring uh, the alcoholism, how they may have informed your work uh on this record gala
2: right um well it's um it's a it's a its it's a truly surprising process um recovery because in many ways um you know it 's a process of uh, remembering my own a sense of myself that I had uh largely forgotten um it's a it 's a matter of Uh, very much um, becoming reacquainted, I guess, with, uh, well, see, I'm I'm about to use a lot of goofy language, but for me, uh, you know, getting reacquainted with um, both somebody who I was um, and also, uh, in a strange way, somebody who I don't know yet who is. Mm. Um, I'm kind of, uh, I would describe it as Actually, discovering who I really am, um, and that's a <laughs> that's a pretty weird process, uh, and it's fantastic. You know, I mean, it's really uh, it's 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 really been good. Is this um, is
1: this discovery then uh, does it stem from the idea that uh, you were in a cloud of uh, just not knowing who you were at all uh, while you were uh, in the midst of uh, your addiction to alcohol?
2: I would say so. Yeah, um, I think that's a. I think that's a good way of. I think that's a common description of of the feeling that um, that addicts have. Um, in a general sense, I think addicts, um, mostly across the board, have an overwhelming sense of isolation. Um, they feel, um, on the one hand, extremely connected to their own sort of experience of the world, at the same time that they are disconnected from. Uh, a larger experience of the world disconnected from their uh, peers um, except maybe other users um, disconnected from their community disconnected from their environment disconnected from their own sense of uh, safety or meaning or well-being or purpose um, and so it's a it can be a very uh, it, so the so the process of of uh, recovery really is a way of um, uh, of of trying to regain a, a rational sense of what the world actually is like and what our genuine experience of it is um, and a more genuine sense of what it means uh, to us. So. Um, yeah. So in that sense, it's been uh, yeah, it's been re- very revealing. I mean, when I was in my uh, when I was in uh, the the end stages of my addiction, I was very much uh, b- divorced from uh, th- from my own from my own world. I was lost in my own head. Um, I was stuck in my own experience. Um, it defined how I felt about the world. It defined on. Uh, what I felt about myself, who, who I was. I mean, my addiction and I really were inseparable at that point. I mean, I was, I was my my own alcohol use because that's all, that's all I did. I mean, I literally didn't do anything um, near the end there, other than uh, awake, um, and even that is kind of debatable. But uh, but come, you know, come to be awake uh, in the morning, uh, begin. Uh, using alcohol. Um, uh, And then at at various points during the day, stop using alcohol, awake again later, begin using alcohol, (laughs) stop using alcohol, (laughs) uh, sleep, awake. You know, I didn't do anything else. Um, If I left the house, it was because I was on my way to get some more alcohol. Um, If I... And, and and that's it that's all i did hmm. um. <laughs> and so so you
1: were you were self aware that uh, of your behavior you just couldn't help yourself
2: yeah I, that's a that's a good yeah that's a good description of it i had i had um i was i was quite aware uh that m- that my behavior and my very existence had become uh uh a, a distortion of, <laughs> of of what most people's experience is, um, and of course the you know the the psychological issues uh, that that figure in uh, to it resulted in uh, a, a feeling that uh, a fear and a and and a and a feeling that um, that I had not only I was no longer worried uh, really that much about going around the bend. I I was convinced I already had gone around the bend. I mean I was I, I in my own mind I had lost my mind um, and and that's kind of where the thought process stopped like to me that was a and it was a dead end I mean it's uh, there wasn't really any more to conclude from it um, as long as that as long as that behavior continued um, that's really all that there was to say about <laughs> about my life he said I had gone crazy and
1: and that's it so do do you think that again like you're you're you seem highly self aware of all of these uh these issues and and these feelings um on some level and maybe this is simplistic does that do you think that uh that your situation has contributed to kind of the frenetic what i see is kind of like the frenetic nature of this record
2: um
1: and maybe frenetics the wrong word it's almost it, i don't want to use the word erratic either i used the word dynamic earlier um mm. because i feel like there's a lot of shifting going on and sudden shifting and dramatic shifting and um moody's not quite right either do you know what i'm getting at though
2: i i think so <laughs> yeah i think so there, there. um well, yes, I guess, I guess what I would say is that, is that all that experience is, is um, I mean, you can find that all in the record somehow. Um, I, you know, how, how it is that, that it strikes you, I guess, is, um, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know that I can no. speak directly to that. But it's, um, but yes, I would say that, I, I mean, I feel my own experience of making the record is that all that stuff uh, informed uh, the, the, the way the songs are. Um, I don't know how it could be any different, really. Um,
1: and is it is it obvious or fair to say that your physical health is one of the reasons why it it took so long to to follow up from
2: uh, the? Oh last yes, record? yeah. It couldn't have been it couldn't have been made uh, unless I uh, unless I had made uh, the kind of changes that resulted in um, in my entering into early recovery. I mean, it just couldn't it it could not have been made. Um, hmm. I wasn't able to um, either i wasn 't able to physically uh, play uh, I mean I could hardly walk by the time I entered into recovery. I could hardly you know be self ambulatory I could hardly huh. think straight I could hardly uh, you know do anything um, so uh, so in that sense very much uh, you know this record could not would never have happened um, and another record never would have been made um, if i hadn't have, uh, if i hadn 't gotten straight.
1: Um, and it's primarily it is alcohol. That was the primary there were were there other substances? Yep. Nope.
2: Wow. Just the one. That's all I needed. <laughs> wow. Hmm.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that uh I appreciate your frankness about this because I, I I did not know this at all uh, about Oh, uh,
2: yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, it's no problem. I mean, I you know, a lot of my I mean, obviously a lot of my uh, uh, a lot of uh recovery is 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 spent you know, delving into what it means to be, uh, to, what it means to be an addict. Usually, that happens in the context of, you know, things like therapeutic sessions, like with counselors, um, group therapy sessions, um, medical, uh, medical doctors, nursing, uh, psychologists, psychiatrists, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do all that too. But it also involves, uh, you know, just kind of coming to grips with it with, it, with friends and family. Uh, I'm involved in. Um, my own kinds of uh, of of recovery groups, things like uh, you might expect like twelve step groups uh alcoholics anonymous um, what would be termed uh, secular recovery groups like uh, smart recovery um, and and so as as a result, I spend a lot of time uh, just in my own day to day living um, thinking about and Talking about um, the, these ideas of addiction uh, and treatment uh, and recovery in a lot of different settings, so I don't have any problem uh, yapping about it because sharing, yeah, that's, yeah. Largely, that's largely what I do. Um,
1: you kind of have to sort of it's a, it's a therapeutic exercise almost to articulate what what has happened, what's going on.
2: Sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and I work in uh, uh, in peer support uh, as a as a facilitator for uh, recovery groups. And uh, so I, I'm in uh, you know, daily contact with people who have sought services and who are seeking help. Uh and uh and now I help them do that. Um so that's part of that is true part of my recovery, but it's also um a way of trying to get a um a view from the other side uh to, to help them in their recovery.
1: Right. Well let's uh <laughs> Why don't we delve a, a little bit further back into your history? We we were talking sure. earlier about Silkworm, and uh, what what was your how would you describe your role in the uh, formation of that band, and in in
2: terms of uh, you
1: know how how it came to be, and then and, and and why you ended up leaving.
2: Uh, gosh, how it came to be, I think. Um, well, off at uh, uh, Tim was off at Northwestern um I height had ended uh in is that right in the summer of 86 um and he had uh, he had shipped off to school um I'm trying to think what Andy's school situation uh was at that time um I'm not sure if he'd already shipped off to Columbia uh or not but at any rate um after the uh, after that group of uh, people had separated in Hyde, um, I found myself uh, also trying to, and failing <laughs> to attend college uh, in uh, Bozeman, uh, Montana, at Montana State University, um, and uh, and trying to uh, uh, to write some songs. Um, I had played with some people uh, in Bozeman uh, at the time, just to you know I wanted to to, to keep working. Uh, I had this impulse to make songs and to, uh, and I really liked the idea of playing in rock bands. I loved rock music. I loved rock bands. I wanted to be in one too. Um, so somehow I think uh, Tim and I had kept in touch and uh, I just, since I'd continued writing songs, I, I had some songs and uh, he had a bunch too and he would make uh, uh, cassette tapes of his songs uh, in Chicago and uh, I was making some um, in Montana. And uh, so we would trade tapes over the mail, and we would just talk about this idea of making uh, a band. And at some point, I think, uh, when his decision had been made to, to come back to Montana, um, we and my decision had been made to leave school... Uh And begin the process of <laughs> entering and also dropping out many times of school in Missoula um, we just found ourselves uh, both wanting to you know to keep going again and, and do it again in missoula so um, and Andy was there and so we just started playing okay and, and well that was a really long <laughs> that was a really long answer to a very simple question no no so.
1: not at all it was uh th- that seemed like a reasonable answer and at some point uh, the band got going but you ended up leaving yeah. why, why did you end up leaving mm
2: well, the the short answer is that um, it's difficult for me to remember exactly um, what, because I've thought so much about uh, my alcohol use. It's different. It's difficult for me to remember, and maybe those guys remember, but probably not, because it probably wasn't that much on their minds. Um, what kind of, in what ways my use of alcohol might have manifested then? But I had already uh, been struggling with, uh, I guess what what we would call clinical depression. Uh, or a major depression at that time, um, so I was well on my way to, um, in many ways, checking out <laughs> from uh, uh, from my social relationships uh, with people. I had w- started to become more and more isolated, more and more um, lost in my own head, and as you might expect. Um, more and more moody, more and more difficult, more and more, uh, unreachable, um, and f- largely unpleasant, uh, to be around. So of course you, you take all those kinds of ingredients, you, you put them in the context of trying to be in a touring functioning rock band. Uh, you put me in a van full of people, um, and, uh, <laughs> and it, and it's kind of a rep, it's a recipe for a big bummer. Um, and, uh, Yeah, so I just ended up leaving because I, you know, I don't know why I left, (laughs) except that I just felt terrible, right? And I couldn't uh, find a way to uh, express that and address it in a way that was helpful. But
1: I mean, it it doesn't sound like it was, uh, I don't think amicable is the correct word, but you left of your own accord and uh, the band carried on and, and you stayed in
2: touch? Uh, yeah, well, it was difficult at first because it was, you know, because they were so. I mean, I, I mean, we loved each other, um, that uh, that group of guys, um, and still do, um, but because you know, because my state of mind was uh, expressed itself uh, largely in just self isolation, um, in being almost completely uncommunicative. Uh, for example, if I remember right. I may not have spoken to anyone uh, in the band for, I think it was days uh, before uh, I got on a bus uh, in Sacramento, California uh, and came home. And this is while we're on tour, right? So if you can imagine what it's like to be on tour in a band with one of your close friends who will not speak to you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> was there? Did something precipitate that? Was there like some kind of argument, a blow up, or were you just? Did you just? No, 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 no.
2: It was. It was all just. You know. It's. It, it was just all my head, right? I just checked out. I just checked out of participating in, uh, uh, in, in what was happening in my life, right? I felt um, so. Uh, uh, so immediately after. Um, immediately after uh, I left, it was very difficult because there was, um, uh, you know, it, it had been so uncomfortable, and uh, th- it would have taken, uh, for it to feel, I think, uh, what you would describe as amicable or something, um, would have taken uh, a level of outreach on my part that I wasn't prepared uh, to do, and, and I didn't uh, as a result. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, so it was uncomfortable. Uh, for quite a while, I think. Hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I can't. I can't speak to their experience, but um, you know. But I felt. I felt funny
1: about it. Now, were you approached? There, there was a, a silkworm documentary released earlier this year mm-hmm. called "Couldn't You Wait: The Story of Silkworm." Were you? Yeah, were you? Yeah. Were you approached to be involved in that?
2: Oh yes, yeah, several times. Yeah, and I and I, I it was. Uh, it was really important for me. Uh, later, after the film came out. Um, again, I, I, know I keep going back to this, uh, uh, to this idea of my alcoholism, but it was really important for me to reach out to Seth, the, the director, and one thank him for being, uh, so interested in my participation, for giving me every opportunity to, uh, uh, to participate, so much so that he, that he went significantly out of his way and went to significant trouble, um, to try and make that happen, uh, and to include me, um, And so I needed to not only thank him, but also apologize that I, that I, I simply, I couldn't do it. Right. I was too, I was just too sick. Um, I couldn't, uh, travel. I was, I was experiencing such psychological turmoil that I couldn't have, I couldn't have conducted an interview, even if I would have (laughs) had, you know, been able to propel myself out the door and, and meet him for one. Uh, it couldn't have happened. Um, and, uh, but i didn't uh, you know but i wasn't honest with him at that time about it um and uh, and it took until after the film was made before i could you know but before i could just tell him that i'm you know that i'm sorry that i uh you know that i couldn't do it as it turns out uh though i think it's probably clear to anybody who's seen the film and i or anybody who has heard him talk about it um i think it i think it turned out really well in the sense that um i think the i think the film is Probably quite a bit better for it, I think he feels like it's better for it, um, and took a kind of unexpected turn that maybe he wouldn't have predicted uh, or been able to plan out um, so it so I think it turned out uh, really you know for the best and i don't other than the fact that I feel sorry that I let him down i don't feel I don't have any bad feelings about it at all i mean I don't feel like i I should have been included or there should be more about me. Um,
1: but what, what is the unexpected turn that you're referring to?
2: Well, I think that he just had to kind of rethink uh, how the, you know, what what the storyline was, right? If it wasn't, like if there was, if you intend to make a movie that includes, you know, my yapping about, you know, about those years, my remembrances or my feelings about uh, how it started or how it ended, um, you know, and that kind of thing. But all of a sudden that that, that piece of the puzzle isn't there anymore. Then I'm assuming as a filmmaker, I'm not one myself, but I'm assuming that, you know, that you have to think, well, okay, where am I going to take this story then? I mean, where am I going to, how am I going to, am I going to address that issue at all? And if I don't, what am I going to, what am I going to do as a result? Um, You know, it's not just a matter of filling the time or something like, well, if I don't have that interview, I have 10 minutes that I need to fill. It's a, you know, it's a larger concern about the whole focus uh, of the film, and the feel of it, and the uh, the way you tell the story. right? And I think that that turned out in a way that uh, surprised him, and I think he's really pleased with it. I'm pleased with it, so I hope he is.
1: Okay, well, <laughs> that's good to hear. Now, at some point, you when you left Silkworm, you set out uh, on your own and eventually formed this group, uh, Joel, Joel R. L. Phelps and the Downer Trio, mm. and I'm just curious uh, if you can compare how fulfilled you feel Playing with this group uh, in comparison to the work you did uh, prior to that.
2: Um, well, I'm, uh, I guess off the top, I'd say I'm, I, I feel I feel super about playing with those guys. I feel I feel fantastic yeah. um, about playing with those guys. They're my dear friends. We've been playing for many many years, and uh, it's it's wonderful. And I'm, you know, I've said before that I, I truly am quite literally the luckiest person that I have ever met um and uh, and that 's part of it too right i 'm I'm, I'm extremely lucky to be in the situation that i 'm in um, and lucky to know those uh, people and be able to make music with them um, what it, you know what it 's like uh, in comparison to uh, to playing in silkworm before um, you know it 's hard to say because uh, that was not just because that was a long time ago. Uh, and, you know, and maybe my memories of my own feelings and experiences at the time aren't reliable, but just, but also that, that was a, that was a very different person. I mean, the way that I, you know, that the things that I'd, uh, I desired um, from playing music, my expectations of it, uh, the the way I would define um, how it could make me happy or how I could be and also, how I could be um, dissatisfied with my experience of it, or just different than than they are now. So, um, uh, you know, so it's it's hard for me to say. It's it's kind of like, uh, well, I don't know what it's like.
1: <laughs> well, it would be the equivalent of probably you asking me what it, how I compare being 35 to what it was like when I was 18. Like, I I understand that it's a lot of history to kind of figure yeah. out and process in the in the span of. Uh, a suitable answer to a question like that but i you know yeah. i'm just curious i'm only curious about it because uh, you did that for a while you've been doing this for much longer than you did that uh so mm-hmm. uh, i mean obviously there's been some gaps uh, so you could tend to personal things but uh i guess the the fundamental question is are are you you know you used uh, and maybe it's an obvious answer you sound like you're in a great place are you feeling great about making music again, because I think people have been waiting on uh, a new record from you for quite some time. And, uh, now that it's here, it's, uh, I mean, it's great news, but uh, I mean, how are you feeling about that? Are you, is it weird being back uh, in action, so to speak, or, uh, is it comfortable? Uh,
2: yes and yes. Um, it's, um, it feels fantastic. Uh, I, I have no, I have no complaints mm. okay. <laughs> uh, 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 about it. Um, it uh it feels it feels better than ever uh, it it feels like the right thing to do um, and uh, and it feels like to be honest with you it feels like uh, it feels like I've stopped struggling um, because uh, honestly um, the times that I spent uh, very making a conscious decision to not play to not write to not engage in um, the pursuit of making music in one way or another; um, those times felt like I was uh, I was really struggling against my own self-interest, um, and uh, and that and, and so th- letting that go finally and uh, kind of like starting to play for the home team <laughs> again and work uh, in concert with my own best interests, work toward my you know a fulfillment of my own um best interest uh is uh really fantastic um and it does but it does feel new because i you know because i spent a long time uh you know uh, coming at it uh, from the other side um and uh, and i was quite used to it so it it does take some getting used to sometimes it's a little unnerving uh, and uh you know and sometimes it's probably kind of irritating <laughs> <laughs> to other people, you know, to have me call them up on the phone and say, Hey, you guys, this is super rad, and here's another thing I'm excited about, and let me tell you about some other thing that I'm really excited about, and, man, isn't this fantastic? No,
1: I, I, uh, I imagine people are, are happy to hear you in that, uh, in that mode, I imagine.
2: Uh, yeah, well, maybe. Uh, or, you know, sometimes they probably just want me to tap the brakes a little bit or, you know, kind of settle down. But, you know, but, but th- that's all right, too, uh, I, I think. <laughs> so what, I think they're up for that challenge too so.
1: Yeah, I mean it sounds like you've got a good support network in that sense uh, which is great. Uh what what is actually coming up next uh for you since releasing this record? Uh are there tour dates in the offing? What what do you have planned for uh for this group?
2: Well, the touring specifically uh is problematic. I have a uh a, an issue speaking of uh, Canada. Um I have an immigration issue uh in Canada. Um, it results from a couple of aspects of a situation that I was faced with a few years ago. Um, it has to do with the expiry of my permanent resident card, that happened while I was out of the country. As a result of uh, that happening uh, and the procedure that uh, permanent residents uh, are supposed to follow um, in that uh, in those circumstances. Um, there was a decision made at uh, a level of government in the immigration department um, that uh, terminated my permanent residency. Um, there was an appeal process that uh, happened as a result of that. Uh, that appeal process uh, failed um, and leads me to the present day, which uh, is that I am reapplying for my permanent residency uh, from square one, essentially. Um, the way I did many many years ago. Um, That process takes a lot of time um, and it also has certain restrictions. The one that uh, is relevant here is the restriction on uh, travel. So at the moment it's very, uh, it is inadvisable uh, for me to leave, physically leave Canada um, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, the legal requirements of applying for permanent residency uh, as somebody, as, as somebody who's inside the country, um, are such that if a determination is made uh, on your application, you must be physically present in the country. If you're not, uh, your application is terminated and thrown out. Um,
1: so you can't. Really, addition, you have to be around. You just have to be around.
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, if you choose to leave the country. Because I, don't, uh, because I don't have the status of a permanent resident, I can only be legally admitted as a visitor. The only way I can legally be defined as a visitor is somebody who does not intend to stay permanently. But I've declared my intention to stay permanently by filing this application in the first place. So if I present to uh, a border uh, officer and say I'm coming into the country, if they feel like it for any reason, or more importantly, for no reason, um, they can refuse me entry simply on the grounds that I'm not really a visitor, I do intend to stay in Canada. And if that happens, the very act of their refusal uh, of my entrance at the border will kill my application right there. So my PR application dies, many months of waiting, and thousands, thousands of dollars of investment in the process will die. I will be left outside the country <laughs> with, as you can imagine, no ride home and no home to get a ride to. Uh, and which ultimately just means that you would significantly <laughs> fuck up my life. Right. Okay. Um, uh, so to avoid that, um, I've been uh, sticking around in the country and I and I will continue to do so, I guess, until this process is sorted out. But can you tour? Um, is, that, there,
1: is there any point for you to tour across Canada?
2: I can tour across Canada. Yep. Uh the that has its own kind of logistical problems uh which as you might expect the first first and foremost is trying to get uh together two of the trio members who live in the United States and also has families and careers and concerns of their own. I see, I see. Um so there's uh so there's that which is a uh, which is a complication. <laughs> um there's the, you know, of course I could just uh I, I could just, you know, pick up a rental car and start driving, you know, myself. Um, but that poses some, some just sort of uh, physical and psychological challenges that I've never done, so I don't know if I'm, uh, I'm game to, uh, to try it at some level. Um, but it's, you know, it, it's also, I think, a, the responsible thing to do to wonder if I'm actually capable of driving across Canada by myself, uh, you know, playing shows, and, and I don't know. Um so they're, so we're trying to figure out some ways around it. We're trying to do things where you know the whole trio uh and the quartet uh which is made up of uh the three of us plus my pal uh, Scott Malin, up here in Vancouver uh who plays with us as a quartet. Uh we'll try to do you know those things in Canada that you know that that can be worked out. Um but also I'm I'm looking into playing with some people in Canada uh, to make it a little bit easier to play things, you know, locally or around, uh, around here. And there's probably be some solo things happening too. So, um, I don't really know how it's all going to pan out. Um, and I'm really just starting to explore, you know, what'll happen. So I guess uh, you and me both are going to find out how it's going to work. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry that you're having such an ordeal. If it's any consolation, it's nice to have you here among us in Canada and, uh, uh, maybe against, Yeah, against... well, that depends
2: on who you ask, apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, would, I would personally like to give a shout-out to the uh, consul, the Canadian Consulate General uh, in Seattle. Uh, say thanks a lot for all your help and support. Oh, nice. Um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, uh, well, and what's interesting uh, uh, to me, uh, I don't know if it'll be of in- interest to uh, Canadians or anyone else, but uh, I do think it's interesting that... Uh, uh, as unknown as I am in the United States, just for being somebody who does anything, uh, music or otherwise, um, I'm also even after 11 years of being in Canada, uh, completely unknown in Canada as as a as a Canadian entity. And I say that only because, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, you know, Canadians are really into Canadian things. Um, that is, that there's a real strong—I guess that's true of—I uh, guess that's true in a lot of different no, ways. No, I, I, I do know what you're saying. You know what I mean? There's, yeah, yeah. Right. So there's, there's this idea that there's—well, um, I I don't have to explain it to you. You know all about it. Well, I do. Um, I, I,
1: you basically, what you've discovered is that uh, Canadians are more interested in supporting their fellow Canadians, uh, particularly in the realm of the arts, than they might be uh, someone who's not from here.
2: I find that and I and that's just my just that's just my personal take on it. I'm not you know, because I'm not Canadian and because I haven't really been I've it seems like a long time to me that I've been in here, but not that long really. Um I, I could be totally wrong about it and I don't really I don't really mean to uh judgment judgment about it one way or another. But it does seem to be the case and it's interesting that I um, that although I've lived here for a very long time, I'm not, as far as I can tell, identified at all with um, this notion, whatever it is, of Canadian music, uh, Canadian arts, Canadian Canadian content, uh, to use that uh, old phrase. Um, and I just think it's interesting. I, I don't really, I don't mean to complain about it. Uh, I, I just... I just think it's interesting that um, that somehow I managed to disappear uh, off of <laughs> off of the radar worldwide <laughs> like i 'm not associated with anything or anyone anywhere. <laughs> I just literally disappeared <laughs> uh, and it's it's interesting but it's okay though because obviously I am still here
1: it's good it's good to uh to have you reappear if uh, if that's the case and uh, I do want to let people know again that the new release by Joel R.L. Phelps and the Downer Trio is called Gala, and it's out now via Triple Crown audio recordings here in Canada. You can learn more about this uh, and all of uh, Joel's future plans at joelrlphelps.net. Uh, Joel, before we uh, end this, is there a song we can play from the new record for people to hear?
2: Uh, yes. All of them on there.
1: Is there one uh, in particular that we can play right now?
2: Oh, I don't know. Uh, uh, you're the boss.
1: Well, since you're having trouble making a decision, how about we go with So You've, <laughs> so you've Decided? How about that? Lay it on them. All right, let's hear that. That's just so I, you, I,
2: fully, I fully support that. <laughs> well,
1: See, so you've decided then. You made a decision just as much as I have. <laughs> All right. So You've Decided by Joel R. L. Phelps and the Downer Trio. Joel, a real, real tremendous pleasure to speak with you. I wish you the best of luck with everything, and I sincerely mean that. Everything. I, I hope everything goes well for for you from here on in.
2: Yeah, thanks a bunch, Fish. Well, you know, I mean, if there's if, if there are many things I've discovered uh of late, uh in my life and one of the most important ones is that um I have as good a chance of anybody uh ever uh of having a really great life and the fact of the matter is I have a better chance than most people <laughs> of having a really fantastic life. And uh I that is my I fully intend to do just that.
0: too thin to stick around nothing lost nothing is found and you're invited So you've decided There's an answer in the wind You throw your lot in with AM And you're invited Where the fire never ends That's the valentine I will send And I dream And we'll put this world to Sleep. And I dream that we'll put this world to sleep And I dream that I'll put your world to sleep And I dream that I'll put your world to